What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I have Rachel Gregory, a.k.a. Killing It Keto, in the house. She is actually at the compound. Uh, she flew in. We've been talking shop and talking nutrition for the past couple of days, and I figured we'd record a podcast while we were at it. So this is going to be a YouTube video and a podcast. So whether you want to listen or watch, you have your options. We talked deep about nutrition. We talked about training. We talked about keto for women specifically, hormones, calories, all that good stuff. So sit back, relax, enjoy this podcast with Rachel Gregory. How are you, Rachel? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully well. Took us a little uh, time <laughs> to get this audio equipment set up, but we're here now. Yep, rocking and rolling. Rock and roll. You look tired. Why are you tired? Because uh, you got me up at 3 a.m. <laughs> 3 a.m.? What do we do at 3 a.m.? Work out? Well, you were up at 3 a.m. I was up at 4 a.m. Drink some coffee. Yeah. Lift some weights. We could talk about the fact that your flight got delayed reduced our sleep by like three hours from our normal standpoint and we're like 27 i'm 28 <laughs> and we were thinking we're getting old because in the past we could like not sleep at all and it wouldn't affect us whereas now it's like we have to recover for like three days yeah so that's not cool getting old yeah it definitely but catches up to you it takes it me does. like five days five seven. days I don't know. It's probably about the case for me, too. I, I've become, like, cranky. Like, if I know that I didn't sleep well, and I know my performance is going to suffer that day, like, it, it pisses me off internally. Like, I need to, like, just be selfish and not let anything happen until I get my sleep in. No, I'm know? the same way. It's, so. like, my brain is just not on point, and then it just yeah. screws up the rest of everything. The rest of everything. Yeah. So, first of all, why are you here at the compound? Um... Just wanted to come hang out, you know, mm -hmm. see what you're doing with your life. <laughs> doing them. Hopefully I'm doing good things. Hopefully. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I've obviously watched you grow your businesses for the past four years. We're in almost in 2020. Yeah. So I guess technically I launched in 2016. Mm -hmm. So I guess three and a half years now. Yeah. And that's when we met. Well, yeah. met. Via. We met in person at the Metabolic Health Summit in 2018, right? Yeah, but we had no, no. That was this no. year. Yeah, that was this year. So we met in person for the first time this year. 2019. Yeah, but That's we were crazy. like, we met. Yeah. Uh, in 2016, we're like friends and yeah. became more friend, like friends via the interwebs. Yeah. Podcast. This is my third time on here. This is the third time on the podcast. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Uh. <laughs> It's good though. It's good yeah. that you've gone like all over the place. You've done a lot with your business, so I want to dive into that for sure. And I feel like you've gotten a lot of clarity in the direction you're wanting to take things, both from a mm -hmm. brand business standpoint, but then also like how you're going to add value to the space standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about that for okay. sure. You want to just like give everybody an introduction on you that if they haven't heard the first two podcasts, mm -hmm. which I recommend everybody does, but. Um, like a quick intro plus yeah. kind of where you're taking things? Sure. So I got into, <clears throat> sorry, the keto world um, back in 2014. Yeah, I'm losing track. Back in 2014, I was getting my master's degree 
at um, James Madison University in nutrition exercise physiology and I needed a topic to do my thesis on and I came across keto. I was doing CrossFit at the time so I ended up doing um, the first study looking at the ketogenic diet in CrossFit athletes, non-elite CrossFit athletes. I always have to preface that. Um, And that was what brought me into the world. It was a really successful study. Um, Once I graduated, I kind of went on to um, do a little bit more research into everything keto, adopted it for myself as a lifestyle. Um, And then I worked for a supplement company for a little while as their nutrition scientist. And I figured out that it really wasn't for me and that I was actually just, I kept getting more and more passionate about just keto in general. And this is when it started to get popular Mm -hmm. around that time. Um, So I decided to just leave that job behind and move out to San Diego and just kind of start new beginnings. Um, Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to pursue um, something within the keto space and just, you know, research or, you know, something like that. Um, And so I ended up starting to do some work for some other keto companies, some writing, um, some research, things like that. And then I ended up writing a book, um, which is... When did that go live, the book? So it's been a year. So it came out September 2018. So so about a year and a few months, right? Yeah, we're in December. Um, So I wrote that and after that, after I wrote the book, I was kind of in this place where I didn't really know like what I wanted to do next. Um, And I was also in a place mentally and physically that I didn't want to be in. Um, So over that year. How so? A lot better than that. (laughs) Mentally and physically. What does that mean? I was just like burnt out. I mean, Mm -hmm. writing a book is who, if anybody's (laughs) written a book before or it's just like stressful. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just the book. It was just like other things um, as well. Just, you know, personal stuff and, um, even just like moving to a new place that takes a while to adjust to. And so I just kind of had all these stressors that I wasn't really paying attention to. Um, so I was kind of letting myself, um, not letting myself go, but not um, being mindful of my own self-care. And so I was trying to help a lot of other people. And I had, I was also working with some clients at that time and I was helping them um, through, you know, working with them through nutrition and fitness and keto in general and like all of that. And so I was helping them achieve their goals, but I was lacking on focusing on my own goals. Um, So I actually ended up getting injured. I injured my back. Um, It was probably like a month after I finished writing my book. Um, I was doing CrossFit at the time, not like competitively or anything, just that was kind of my release from the book writing. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like my workouts are always like, you know, they're, therapeutic um so that was like my therapeutic release but i ended up getting injured and i had to take a few months off from crossfit and um that brings us to january of last year so about a year ago i kind of had this like epiphany i was like i need to you know take a step back and focus on myself because i had gained some weight just from not paying attention to what I was eating. I was still, you know, keto, everything. And I just wasn't paying attention to exactly, you know, what I was eating. I I didn't have any specific goals in mind. 
Um, I was stressed out, all that. So anyway, I like January of this past year, 2019, I was just like, okay, enough is enough. I need to like sit down, focus on me for a second and what I want to achieve for myself because I wasn't bringing my best version of myself to my clients, to what I was doing in general. And that was like bogging me down. And so I just wasn't as confident as I knew I could be. And so I decided to hire my own nutrition coach to help me keep me accountable, um, basically set up a plan to help me reach the goals that I had. Um, and it wasn't necessarily the nutrition side of things because a lot of people think, oh, if you're a nutrition, you're nutritionist yourself and a strength conditioning coach and all of that, like why would you need someone else mm-hmm. to write your programming or um, write your nutrition plan or any of that? And um, the kind of epiphany I had to myself was like, well, yes, that's true. But if you look at like the most elite athletes in the world, they know what they're doing, right? But they all have coaches. And so it's not like, it's not the fact that, you know, you know what you're doing. It's the accountability part. It's the fact that you have someone to bounce ideas off of and all of that. So I can ramble on forever. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking to uh, a client yesterday actually of mine and they asked me if I had a coach uh, and I, I don't have a coach I haven't had a coach in a while because frankly because I don't know any of the coach that, that does the kind of nutrition protocol that I'm kind of doing and following and in, innovating um, but in my first few competitions when I did have a coach not my first one but my second one like simply having somebody to take your mind off the day-to-day manipulations freeze up and is liberating and then you can focus on the things that you have direct control over like if you don't have to worry about your macros you don't have to worry about your training then you can focus on your living and when you're trying to juggle all things especially if you're new to it and you don't have any perspective on the matter and you don't know what you're supposed to be juggling in the first place trying to juggle it all as it comes is like it's it's a uphill battle both ways for sure yeah yeah exactly and my thing was that I first of all I was like doing CrossFit and stuff. So I wasn't, I started writing my own programming and for just, I started doing just bodybuilding type lifts. Um, I went back to like a Globo gym and was just doing my own thing, writing my own programming and it just wasn't motivating and exciting. Um, So I definitely needed something where I could just, you know, have someone write my programming and have it be legit, like progressive, um, you know, things that I wanted to do. I was also obviously recovering from an injury, so I needed specific things for that. What did um, you do your lower back? So I don't know. If, I didn't do anything specifically, um, but I did, like, I think it was just I was ignoring something that I had done for a little while, mm-hmm. and it just was just built up and eventually kind of just messed up. I think I I got an X-ray and started, I did some physical therapy, Um but I think I was just really like overdoing it. Um, I think I probably had like a little bit of a bulging disc. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't, it was just like super uncomfortable and I really couldn't do anything um, for a little while. So that was also depressing too. Cause like when you, when working out and lifting and stuff is your release, like when you can't do that, what do you do? You know, yeah. obviously you, you know, so it's not good. yeah, not good. I had an injury in my back. Like I, I pulled a facet joint 
or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like I hit the ground, I was like immobile almost for two weeks. Yeah. And when I broke my toe, um, mm-hmm. I couldn't really lift as much then. And that just makes you mad. Like I don't like yeah. not being able to work out. So being proactive with your with your training, injury prevention is is pretty key. But it's yeah. hard for like type A personality people yeah. to not go and do and be. Yeah, you know. for sure. Um, but yeah, I went through, so like I went through kind of my own transformation. I ended up setting a goal, um, to do a photo shoot. So that was like kind of the end goal for me. And so I went through a six month, um, transformation. I ended up losing like 20, a little over 20 pounds. Um, and that was, you said how long? Six months. Six months. Yep. Do you remember what your like caloric stats were like at the onset and at the completion? So I wasn't, um, up until like I decided to actually like take the plunge and set a goal and hire a coach and all of that. I wasn't tracking religiously at all, but, um, probably somewhere around when I did start tracking to see like what I was consuming, cause obviously you need to start tracking to see what your calorie intake is before you start a cut or anything like that. If you don't mm-hmm. know. Um, so I was around like 2200, um, and then I basically was just finding my maintenance and then started to cut from there. And um, my coach actually, I, so I wanted a coach who was outside of keto and everything like that. Like I wanted someone who I didn't know at all. Um, And so I, it's weird. I like was doing some (laughs) research on, not research, but I was just like browsing around Instagram and I came across um, a page and I was just like looking at different things. And, and then I started following a few different coaches that were out there and a few different people and kind of looking at their content and, you know, feeling their vibes and stuff like that. And so I ended up um, reaching out to one and I kind of told him, I was like, you know, I'm a nutritionist myself. I really kind of know what I want to do in terms of my nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, But I need help with, uh, you know, I just don't want to write my own training programs anymore. I'm just burned out from it. I want someone to just tell me what I do so I have to think about it because I have all these other things to think about. Um, and I need some accountability. I need someone to kind of just like kick me into gear when I need that boost. Um, and so it was definitely a, a, a game changer because he not only helped me with my nutrition and training, but we did like, we went into a lot of like lifestyle things. So mm-hmm. stress management, um, he helped me kind of bring my morning routine back and really implement that. And it was really the whole accountability part of that. Like having someone that you are accountable to every single day is just such a game changer. And then the other aspect of of it was the financial accountability. So a lot of people don't think about it, but when you put like, for me, I was like, why for a long time, I was just like, I'm not going to spend my hard earned money on, on paying someone to do what I do for a living. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's not like a lot of people don't think about it, but when you do have a stake in the game, like when you have a financial incentive that's always in the back of your mind, like for example, if you join a gym or something and you are spending a bunch of money on the gym and you don't go, you're kind of feel guilty about it, right? Like there's things that it's always in the back of your mind. Um, so that's kind of the same thing with your nutrition. Um, so that helped me, you know, just focus a lot more and knowing that I was spending my hard earned money that I was making. My on. worst clients have always been the ones I've coached coach for free. Like yeah. family and friends that I coach for like the exactly. worst clients for sure. Like they'd have no incentive in it. They don't pay. Mm-hmm. It's like they just they're not there. 
you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just like, it's always in the back of your mind. It's like subconsciously you're, you know that you're, you're paying for something. And so, and if it's a good, if it's a good chunk of money, then you're going to be more, that's going to hold you accountable in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something that I really started to think about and realize, like, I need to invest in myself in order to bring my best self for everyone around me. And so that in itself, and then just like working on my own, you know, once I started to see the transformation myself, it just like completely changed my confidence. And I was just started doing all so much more, so many more things. And I was just like happier. And I just realized like, I am so much more confident in my own skin and it really makes a difference in everything else in my life. And so that's kind of like my tagline now is like, change your body, change your mind, change your confidence, change your life. It's a long tagline, but I like it. I mean, it's, it's true. Like so many people that are not happy in life, I think it all stems from some innate lack of confidence in who they are. If you're 100% confident in who you are and happy with how you're living your life, then your day-to-day is, like, amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I love my day-to-day. Like, my day-to-day is hard and it's challenging. I, I've challenged myself, but I love it because you got to love who you are as a person, and you mm-hmm. can't do that if you're not confident in who you are as a person. Exactly. You know? And then when you're, having, you're trying to help other people change their lives and transform it's it's a lot harder um you feel like so, a hypocrite exactly you feel like a hypocrite and it's just yeah and it's not just like the nutrition and the training part of things it's also like getting your mind right and creating practices that can help with your stress management understanding you know how important sleep is all of these things that all pile up and make a big difference um and just having an accountability system for that in itself so you know if I would you know track my sleep every night track my stress track my training my recovery and have someone be able to look at that and say it was all these like biofeedback so that's something a lot of people don't think about when they go into you know a cut or they're looking to lose weight they only think about the nutrition side of things or maybe the exercise side of things but they don't look at the biofeedback side of things so how is your stress being managed how are you sleeping you know what is your hunger like throughout the day what are your cravings like throughout the day like you need to be tracking all of these biofeedback measurements so that you can understand where things are lacking and then you can go in and say okay I need to work on this and see if I can make changes here because it all you know it all comes back to you know your lifestyle everything you're doing has an effect on everything else um what do you do for stress like tangible specific specific things you do for stress so my stress comes from when I'm not organized so Mm -hmm. i think i think we're a lot alike in the like i'm very ocd a lot about a lot of things and like if i if my day's not planned out like i'm just stressed Mm -hmm. um and so something that's changed my mindset and just my stress overall is implementing a morning routine that is like very like i'm very strict about and i'm also held accountable for that too um so that just includes so what it's been over the past few months is i wake up and I do 10 minutes of meditation with red light therapy. Do you use like an app for meditation or anything? Yeah, I use uh, the Sam Harris Calm mm. app. Um, so I use that. I did Headspace for a while, um, but I like them both. But I'm right now I'm using the Calm app. So I do that. Wait, Sam Harris 
he has a what his app is called calm because i have no a no waking app. up sorry waking up okay sorry okay <laughs> now but I'm there's two, they're both good though sam yeah. harris is good and the calm app is good i use the calm one but i have sam harris as well yeah so i was using i tried calm and headspace and waking up so those are the three i kind of go back and forth between but waking up is the one i've been using um so i do that and then i do like my morning stretches so i've had with my back injury i have to do specific stretches to help with maintaining where i'm at now because i'm in a good place Mm -hmm. Um, and i notice when i don't do those stretches i get i start to feel a little bit more Um, and then i read for 30 minutes so this is something that i didn't um i hadn't implemented like ever before because i never i've never been someone who reads a lot like I just grew up not liking to read, like I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, having my own business and wanting to learn day in and day out, like as much as I can, putting aside 30 minutes in the morning, <clears throat> sorry, before anything starts, I just read, um, I work through either a, a business book or um, a kind of self, self-help self book or some type of book that gives me some motivation and some um just you know lifestyle type things and stuff like that um recently what's the book that I'm that I just finished so I finished um oh my gosh I'm blanking Brendan Burchard's book uh, high performance habits so it's all about like how to be a high performer and how to establish these habits for your day-to-day to you know make you as productive as possible um, so that was a great one. Um, and so just things like that and being able to implement this before my day starts. And so just having that routine, it's like an hour long and that just sets me up for the day and just kind of is a way to go into the day with like a clear mind. Um, so I think that's another piece of it. Like I was never really focused on the mindset side of things and I, I never really got into meditation or anything like that. And so like forcing myself to do that for a while and being held accountable for doing that um it becomes a habit right so you do it for a while and then you start to especially with meditation it's a practice mm-hmm. you have to build up that muscle to really understand how it helps you um and so that has been like a huge game changer in just the way that i kind of look at life i don't know it's it's hard to explain no like, it makes sense so yeah. like if i if i ever wake up I don't ever wake up late, but if I ever like wake up and something out of my norm happens and I'm like totally knocked off track of my routine, it takes me twice as long to kind of like pick up the pieces and get back into the momentum and the swing of things. You know, like Mm -hmm. I like to just, that's why I wake up at three because I wake up before anybody else can come and distract me. You know, like if nobody else is up at three to mess with me, text me, ping me, whatever, so I can just ignore the world and, and have that moment for myself. Yeah. Crystal doesn't even wake up at three, so like <laughs> I get a couple yeah. hours. I get an hour before before she needs anything. I give her some coffee and then I call yeah. it call it good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, hopefully one day I'll be able to wake up at three. And you you can see for me, I I didn't like waking up at three for the longest. I could I would try, but then I started going to bed earlier. Mm-hmm. So I try and go to bed by like eight or nine at the latest, and then I can wake up at three. But that takes. Like it's hard to go to bed at eight o'clock. Yeah. Like, nobody else goes to bed at eight o'clock. So you have mm-hmm. to like say, Okay, I'm stepping away from everybody else's, you know, everything and I'm having some me time. Yeah. But that's not easy either. Yeah. Especially like when you like if I like try to end like I've that's another thing, like I try to end my work day 
you know, it depends what it is, but like at seven. And so like I need seven to eight some days. Depends, but usually, I mean, recently it's been later, but as you know, as you have your own business, as you know, Mm -hmm. there's just like people think, oh, you have your own business. Like you must be able to work whenever you want. And like, you know, have so much free time because you're your own boss and it's like complete opposite. And because all you want to do is like work because that's your passion and that's like what you're like you're you love doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to turn that off. And so like if I, you know, turn off at seven or or, you know, at that time I have like I need a few hours to like wind down yeah, and disconnect. like get my mind off of it or else I won't even be able to fall asleep. Cause what I'm do you do for thinking. that? How do you disconnect? So I I mean. I've tried to do some more reading and like journaling at night. I haven't been very great with that. Um, so I honestly like I like to to watch TV at night a little bit, like an hour of that, because that's the only thing that I find that really just like I can just be like dumb for a second, mm-hmm. and it just like gets me sleepy. Um, and I try to like not be on my phone. Sometimes I end up scrolling through Instagram and stuff like that, but. Um, I have been recently trying to implement more journaling before bed. So kind of just do like a brain dump before bed, on, especially on days where things are just like crazy and I have so many ideas running through my head. Those are the days that I have trouble falling asleep. So if I write everything down on paper, like right before I go to bed, it's like all, it's like crazy what that does. Like you just write everything down and it's out of your head because it's on paper. Um and that has helped a lot. So journaling and um, I've tried like a little bit of meditation before bed. That hasn't been going too well just because I haven't been <laughs> strict with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Do you manipulate things based off of like the time of year with like your circadian rhythm, sunrise, sunset, times changing? Or do you kind of not really worry with that? Not really. I mean, I have never really played around with that. What about you? I've been kind of out of luck lately because I had a good routine going when it was getting darker much later because I had enough daylight after all of our employees left where I could grill a steak, shoot mm-hmm. my bow, and then wind down that way. But now it gets dark so early. Like, they're still here working. I'm still working. It's too dark to shoot the bow. So it's like yeah. I just stay working until right before I go to bed, which is not optimal either. Yeah, um, so I need hard. to figure out something. Like an indoor shooting range I think would be good for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Talk about uh, keto for women. Yeah. So after I went through kind of my transformation for those six months, I, you know, started learning a lot more about just, like I said, the accountability part of things, the education part of things, and like all of these different factors that a lot of people don't know or think about when they go into, you know, a weight loss program or something like that. Um, it's really you think, okay, nutrition and exercise, that's like mostly what you think about. But there's all of these like tools and these strategies that I implemented within my own six month transformation. And even like going to my nutrition coach and, or to my coach and I suggested certain things. And that's kind of like, he helped me with my nutrition a little bit, but in the sense that I was like, okay, I want to do, do this. So like hold me accountable for it and give me your feedback on it. So I bounced ideas off of him and, and things like that. So for example, we implemented, um, things like PSMF days. So like a protein spare modified fast, um, calorie cycling days, some carb up days, things like that. 
And so I kind of built up all of these strategies and these tools that I started to use um, that helped me adhere to this, the protocol that I, that I was following. Um, and so after I went through my own transformation, I had all of these new things that I, that I knew worked and that kind of came to light in my, in my own mind. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to share them with other people. And I started working with a few more clients and implementing all the things that I was doing for myself and they started seeing results. And I decided to put together a program, um, because one of the things I have a lot of, a lot of the people who come to me for help are mostly women. Um, and they have been keto for a while. And this is what I went through. Like I was, I've been keto for a long time. Um, and you know, I hit that plateau, whether it was because of keto specifically or just all the other things. Um, but there's just a lot of misinformation out there and it's what I wanted to do is basically take all the stuff that I learned and put it into a keto for women program where I, um, it's a three month program and it takes you through basically all the stuff, all, all these tools and strategies. Um, we go through mindset things, we go through just everything. Um, and so it actually is just the first round just ended this week and they have all gotten incredible results. Um, and I think the biggest piece of it is the education part and just understanding that they are, there are so many different um, pieces of the puzzle that we don't, re that a lot of people don't realize. Um, and yeah, it's just been amazing and having this like group of women together and really bringing them through some different strategies they can implement. And, um, one of the big things was that, like I mentioned, a lot of, a lot of women come to me and they, they're like carb phobic, right? Because they've been keto for so long, they've hit this plateau and they don't really know where to go. Um, maybe they've been, you know, chronically fasting or, very, very, very low carb for a long time, under eating, not really knowing what to, where to go from here, not knowing um, how to get over this quote unquote plateau. Um, and so that's what this program is set up. It's basically a fat loss specific program, but we go into hormones, we go into, you know, metabolic flexibility, um, fasting for women specifically. Um, what else? Just fat loss in general, like a lot of a lot of um, concepts and strategies, like I mentioned, like calorie cycling, um, fasting, carb ups, all of these different things that people don't realize um, or know about or are not educated about. Um, and so I teach them about these, these things and give them the tools. And the goal is that they can go through this 12-week program, learn all these different strategies and all these different tools and be able to have them, them have them in their back pocket for the rest of their life and be able to use them. Um, because there is, there's actually a statistic I came across the other day. It was like 95% of people who are overweight or no, 85% of people who are overweight or obese will lose weight. 95% of those people will gain that weight back within three years. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I think it was like 30 to 60% will gain even more weight back after that. I, I might've butchered those numbers a little bit, but you get the concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, I think the huge thing there is because you're just not like, yes, any, I think anybody can lose the weight if they, you know, put in a good chunk of time, um, to do it or like they're really strict, but it's the education piece of it and the accountability piece of it and the adherence and all of that, that really is the game changer for that sustainable weight loss or fat loss. Um, I feel like, like 
within the keto space specifically, there's so many different things being talked about right now by so many different, you know, quote unquote experts and people that are actually are experts. And like if somebody had never that that was not in the keto space, you know, earlier on, they just came into it now, it would be like, oh, where do I even begin? Mm-hmm. There's just so much information out there, and, and a lot of it is conflicting at first glance. Like if you, a lot of it's just conflicting in general, but a lot of it's conflicting at first glance. Like if you don't know these this foundational stuff, then there's no need to worry about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you multiply that by all the other dieting protocols out there, you know, whether it be flexible dieting or just whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're just coming into the fitness and health and nutrition space in the first place, and you don't have a clue what you're doing, like that's paralysis analysis amplified tenfold. Like I would mm-hmm. not even know where to start. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I dive into like a camera form, like if I'm trying to learn about cameras or something yeah. to record a better YouTube video. I'm not camera, you know, I don't know hardly anything about cameras, but I start diving into all these forms and I'm like lost in 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, so that's amplified with nutrition because there's just so much information out there. So for you being able to break down a lot of these concepts that people have heard about are curious about but don't really have a, a tangible specific mm-hmm. roadmap i can see that being advantageous for sure especially you know focusing on women specifically because i feel like most of the keto space is comprised of women mm-hmm. um you know men obviously need and can benefit from keto too but i feel like there's a lot of women in the space that are coming to it to improve their hormones to improve their composition and having like a tangible roadmap like what you've built mm-hmm. is is advantageous for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of noise out there and mm-hmm. it's just hard to know like where to start and you know, a lot of a lot of women who come to me are looking for fat loss. Um and a lot of them, you know, went keto for a long time and they saw really great success and then they hit this like kind of plateau or they just didn't know where to go from there. Um, and that's kind of like the keto hormone program is for, for those women who have, who have an understanding and have been kind of keto adapted and understand keto and are just looking to, um, you know, break past whatever road roadblock they've hit. Um, and so all of, like I can say with confidence that all of the women who have gone through the program, um, this first round have had like amazing results that I like with it being the first round, I personally didn't know, you know, exactly what to expect as I was going, bringing them through this. Cause I was going through it as well. Um, with it being the first, um, go around, but they have just like week and week again, every time we do weekly check-ins, it's just like they, you know, they've learned so much and I can just see their confidence built from the beginning. And, you know, with the ending coming now, it's like, it just, makes me super happy that I can share all of these tools and strategies and like actually educate these women so that they, you know, after these three months, you know, it doesn't end. You can't just go back to doing what you're doing before, but now you're educated and you're aware of what you're doing. You understand it. I think that's the biggest roadblock is like people are like, a lot of people just want you to tell them what to do. But when you don't, if you're not educated on it, you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm then you're never going to be able to say sustain that you're never going to be able to you know even push yourself further than that so that's kind of what my whole thing is with with that female demographic that that you just described what are the top 3 biggest mistakes that you see that demographic making in the keto community currently 
So I think one of the biggest things is like fasting, like chronically over fasting um, is been huge. I think with women, fasting can be a little bit, a little bit more stressful, especially with like the way our hormones are and like fasting too long or fasting too frequently both (laughs) yeah um i think that because fasting is a good it's a stressor right it's a stressor on your body and it's a good stressor but just with anything else like too much of a good thing i mean too much what's the saying too much of a good thing is a bad thing exactly um and so and i don't i would like i've gone through these things too like i went through a, a period of time where i was you know fasting every single day like 16 18 hours and like I felt good but then I got to a point where my cortisol was all messed up and like just went down the fasting rabbit hole is what I like to call it um so that's a big one I think um just being carb phobic like severely carb phobic is a huge issue um I went through that as well where I you know years I was like you know I started doing keto I started living the lifestyle and I I had amazing results and I was like I'm never going back I'm never you know eating a sweet potato again even though I love sweet potatoes and so I got to this point where I was just like stressing about that like you know I would just want not that I wanted to eat carbs but like I would find myself you know trying to find some keto ice cream or like I'd be craving something and I'd go and get like a keto ice cream or something like that when I really just wanted like a sweet potato and so for me it was like why would I you know why am I so scared to eat a sweet potato when it's a real food like I don't need to be scared of that and so when I started that's something that kind of throughout my transformation too I started incorporating some carb ups and realizing that like I was and obviously focusing on real food that comes from the earth right Mm -hmm. um not like garbage right um and so that was just that's one thing that i kind of i went from being you know we all went from being fat phobic and i feel like that's something that's happening now is a lot of people are becoming carb phobic and i'm not saying like go out and you know eat a bunch of carbs it really depends it's so specific for where you're coming from where you've been what your goals are you know all of that um but i think that's a huge especially with the women that i work with like they're just they're just scared of carbs in general, even if they're coming from things like squash. We talked about this a lot last night when we were talking. Mm-hmm. I wish we had recorded that little yeah. that little conversation. But like I'm very much so strict keto, have been so for years. But I don't want anybody to be like afraid of food. Like if you're living afraid of any type of food group any type of macronutrient mm-hmm. that's held over your head at all times like that's not healthy i don't eat carbs but i don't miss carbs yeah and like if somebody just is bound and determined to have carbs or else their life's gonna be miserable and they feel like they're sacrificing so much like that's not healthy either mm-hmm. you know so i liked what you were saying last night about you know you just you want to be in a good spot mentally and that needs to be the case no matter what diet you're following mm-hmm. you know yeah and i mean i still think and i also think it comes down to you know, being, understanding, you know, keto and becoming keto adapted first is very, very important because your body has to understand. And this is something we go through in the keto form program and something that I'm, you know, looking more towards is like the metabolic flexibility side of things and like the true 
true metabolic flexibility where you go through the keto adaptation process and you under you teach your body what ketones are how to use them for fuel so that you and it doesn't happen overnight right so i would just keto for like four years or have been not that i'm not anymore but i'm a little bit right now i'm like kind of in this lower carb place where i feel good i'm not necessarily in ketosis every day but i can get back into it fast and not you know if I need to or if I want to for mental clarity or even like I feel good now but like if I do want you know if I want to be in ketosis I know how to do it I know and my body is used to that and then also even with like my carb thresholds like when I started incorporating a little bit more carbs um, just around performance and stuff you know I could get back like I would test my ketones you know 18 hours later and still be in ketosis after 100 grams of carbs I'm not saying people can do that um, or everybody can do that. It really depends on your training capacity. I think how long you've been, you know, quote unquote, keto adapted. Um, but also like what your goals are. And like I was saying, you know, if it, if, (laughs) if I'm afraid to eat, you know, like some sweet potatoes or squash or, or like real whole foods, like that shouldn't be the case. Like if you're going through that for, in my opinion, if that's something that you want to incorporate into your life, but you're scared that you're going to like blow up and gain all this weight because you had, you know, one sweet potato, I think that is an issue. And it goes back to being like scared of food. Like that's an issue in itself. Um, and so I have a lot of women who come to me that, and they're just like very, very carb phobic. And so the goal is to kind of teach them these strategies about how you can implement these things if you want to, you know, in realistically in your life without it being a huge stressor because stress is it all comes back to stress like the more stressed you are in anything like the less results you're going to see and all that yeah i feel like the i feel like the hormonal you know cortisol as an example if you're stressed that like that's going to hold on to body fat more like you got to get that figured out before you can try and manipulate another variable it's Mm kind of like people that have a ton of credit card debt and they're trying to like make it big with the stock market like you got you're gonna have to pay off those high interest credit cards before you try and make a you know an average interest on some kind of stock mm-hmm. like you have to focus on the most bang for your buck and i feel like cortisol uh you know and, and stress levels is definitely one of those big hitters um what was the third thing um i'm forgetting the question now. um top three mistakes you see that women demographic okay. doing now fasting Yeah. So I think also being, um, you know, the idea of yo-yo dieting and going back and forth between that. I think the issue with that is that a lot of, a lot of people in general just kind of go into a diet or a fat loss, um, you know, phase thinking that, okay, I'm just going to go in and like, you have to understand that there is some type of nutritional periodization. Like a lot of people think, you know, periodization, you think of it in terms of exercise, but there's also like periodization in terms of your nutrition throughout your, like, say, if you look at a yearly basis. So if you are consistently in a deficit for a long, long time, it's going to mess with you. And so I think educating and understanding that you have to kind of, you can't just live your life in a quote-unquote deficit or chronically under eating because it's just that's not advantageous to you know seeing results Mm -hmm. um so you obviously have to be in a deficit to lose body fat right 
Like, do you agree with that? <laughs> it's funny. It's a good question. Set me up here. So, <laughs> yes, the calories matter, basically, was mm-hmm. that boils down to. You got people in the keto space that say it's all hormonal-based. Calories are not an issue. You can lose a bunch of a weight while you're in a caloric surplus, energy surplus. And, like, I don't know, people just have lost fundamental basics, I think, because calories matter. Like, it's not a free-for-all. Like, you have mm-hmm. to be able to manipulate calories. And anytime I go through a contest prep, that's what I'm manipulating. Like, I'm titrating calories down. I'm not just eating whatever I want and focusing on hormones because you can't really adjust your hormones as easily as you can adjust a lever on your caloric intake. Mm-hmm. So calories matter, hormones matter, lifestyle matters. It all matters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of a long-winded response, but yeah. No, I completely agree, and I think that if people I, – what I saw this saying. It was like um, if someone tells you calories are all that matter, run – if someone tells you that calories don't matter, run or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's that butchered it. But I saw it. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Because it's like calories matter, but hormones do matter. And they all, it all plays into each other. And, yeah. you know, and that's why the whole biofeedback aspect of that and not just like tracking your macros, but tracking all of these other components that you can see and, you know, be held accountable for is super important so that you know how to like make changes and make manipulations um, when something, you know, when you do hit a plateau or something like that. Um, so I think that it's just really being aware of these things and understanding what it means to, you know, go through this and all the different tools and strategies that you have and being able to, you know, pull from those as you go through your life. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned living in a chronic caloric deficit. I feel like if I had to pick one thing that I see that demographic doing wrong, it's eating at a chronic caloric deficit because mm-hmm. that's going to have an impact on your hormones on your stress levels on your sympathetic state you know like far too many women and men and just people in general they just chronically undereat. they're following some kind of crash diet at all times and then that has a long lasting effect and you I, I think I said it at KetoCon but I recommend like a minimum of like a 3 to 1 ratio of mm-hmm. like if you're cutting for like a month you need to be at a maintenance or building a surplus for three months and you basically said the same thing last mm-hmm. night um and that is like a minimum like you gotta because mm-hmm. you you got down from 2200 calories you said you cut down to like 1480 or so yeah like right before my photo shoot i think i was at like 14 something but i got like that was unsustainable yeah for me right yeah. but a lot of people just sustain it they'll be like yeah. okay i'm gonna eat 1200 calories for the rest of my life yeah but you they know? don't yeah and that's the thing they're not educating understanding that maintenance like maintain so once you lose the weight right and maybe you didn't get to like your goal maybe you went through like a three-month fat loss phase or, or cut um but now you're starting to see like you're in you're three months in you're like crap I'm not sleeping well I maybe I did lose like 10 pounds during Mm -hmm. this time or 15 pounds but then you're looking at your biofeedback and you're like I'm not sleeping well I'm stressed out like I'm hungry all the time my cravings are like off the charts that is when you have to take a step back and say okay I need to take a break right uh, have a diet break to basically now learn how to maintain the 15 pounds that I've lost and it's not just you know, you're taking a break psychologically and physiologically. So you're bringing your hormones back to where they should be by bringing your calories up to your new maintenance and finding your new maintenance. Because 
that's another thing that a lot of people, you know, don't understand is that like if you lose, you know, 20 pounds or plus or 30 pounds plus or more than that, like you probably are, your maintenance has probably changed because the, the smaller you are, the less calories in general you need to, to maintain, to function. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, you know, I think one of the reasons why people gain a lot of the weight back is because they go back to eating the same, you know, calories that they were before, but you, and yes, you can build back up to that, I think. And I think a huge part of building back up to that is muscle and building muscle because muscle is obviously, we know it's very more, much more metabolically taxing. So that's another huge piece of the, the program that I talk about. Um, but just, you know, going back to that, that maintenance. So once you can kind of, you know, get that, basically take a diet break, right? Like take your, bring your calories up, you know, to your new estimated maintenance. And there's all these, you know, ways to figure that out. Um, and then just work, practice maintenance, right? Practice that for, you know, two months and then go back into a cut. And so a lot of people look at, you know, fat loss as this line that goes straight down, like diagonal, right? But I, I think it's like, goes down right and then you have to maintain for a while and then when you have another goal it goes down again you got to maintain for a while until you reach you know your optimal body composition yeah for what i would even want. argue you go up yeah and then because like for me i take much longer than a three to one like my last cut was in 2016 and 17 uh through the end of 2016 beginning of 2017 i haven't cut since since now almost 2020 but each time i transition into a cutting phase I get leaner than I was the last time I was in the cutting phase because my body becomes more familiar with that process. It responds more, mm-hmm. um, you know, effectively. Everything's just much more streamlined. And then as I transition into a maintenance and building phase, mm-hmm. my uh, metabolism ramps up, my composition improves. So, like, each time I go back up in calories, I'm able to maintain a leaner physique Mm -hmm. than I was the last time while eating more calories than Mm -hmm. I was the last time. So each time I go back into a cut, I have a a longer caloric runway from which to taper from, basically. Yeah, exactly. And And you're building more muscle, too. Yeah, build more muscle. Everything improves. I mean, I'm literally losing weight right now eating 3,200 calories. I would not have been able to do that, you know, five years ago. Mm -hmm. I was down at like 1,200 calories at one point. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to have to go down to 1,200 calories again. And I feel like Mm -hmm. people should prioritize that and like know that it's going to be like a a polyphasic approach to reaching any kind of compositional goal like you can't just make it linear like you were saying Mm -hmm. you have to adjust and know that each time you cycle through these phases you're basically going to be resetting and improving your body's set point Mm -hmm. so yeah i totally agree and i think having someone to keep you accountable for that too is super important like for me i my photo shoot was three and a half months ago now and i still have my coach and mm-hmm. you know pay him a good chunk of money a month to keep me accountable in the sense that you know I'm trying to maintain now and now I'm like kind of I've been reversing out of my uh, photo shoot and I'm kind of back up to not where I was before but I've been focusing on building muscle now and I did actually build a good chunk of muscle through my cut because I was following a progressive program whereas before that I was just doing CrossFit I love CrossFit CrossFit's great but it's really hard to you know build significant muscle in a progressive way because you need a progressive overload you need a training program that is that you can manipulate and with CrossFit it's it's great it's I've 
you know, seen a lot of people lose weight successfully using it um, as like a tool, but obviously nutrition is a big piece of that. Um, but for me, like building quality muscle never happened in CrossFit. It was, mm-hmm. you know, having a plan that was periodized and strategic. And so that's something that I think there's a little bit of education behind that too. But yeah, so just coming back up to, you know, maintenance for me, reversing, building more muscle. And I think that, you know, a lot of people don't realize the more muscle you have in your body, the more you can eat mm-hmm. because muscle is so metabolically taxing. And that's another thing with women that I think it's gotten a lot better over the years. Like we don't, I feel like we don't go in a gym. I mean, I, I feel like we still do, but, you know, go in the gym and see all the treadmills taken up. Now we're seeing more people are starting to realize that, you know, muscles where it's at and building you know, quality muscle is what's important if you want to, you know, change your body, change your composition and be able to eat more food. Um, yeah, that's that's a good point. Like I, I see I see so many women asking and prioritizing questions surrounding cardio mm-hmm. to lose body fat. It's like just lift weights, you yeah. know, like there's definitely a place for cardio. But mm-hmm. again, kind of like what we we're saying before, you can't you have to prioritize where you're gonna get the most bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. And if your goal is to build muscle or lose body fat building muscle is going to be the most bang for your buck yeah and you're not going to get that on a treadmill exactly you know? or at least focusing on building muscle even if you're in a cut like for me my cut was you know my focus was lifting right and i did basically no cardio until the last probably two months but i titrated it in so it's not like i started off because and you you explain this a lot too like you have to use cardio strategically as a tool because cardio is very very easy to adapt to your body adapts to cardio very easily mm-hmm. when i'm talking about cardio i'm talking about more like steady state lower intensity you know moderate intensity stuff um even high intensity stuff your body adapts but with uh with resistance training it's very hard for your body to adapt and there's so many different things that you can change within that um that i think a lot of people don't think about so on the topic of training give like a, a good actionable tangible plan that people can use for progressive overload. Like a lot of people don't know what progressive overload is. So like mm-hmm. how would you define that? I guess is a good way to put that. So I think the simplest way to define it is basically just doing a little bit more every time you go into the gym. So you have to progress and overload <laughs> yourself. Yeah. Um, so it just comes down to, you know, maybe you're doing one extra rep or you're adding five extra pounds or even two extra pounds, just doing a little bit more and it's, you're progressing through a program. So I think it depends on like your training program. It depends on, you know, what you can adhere to too and what you enjoy. So obviously if you're someone who you don't think that you can, and this was me for a while, like this is the reason why I I enjoyed CrossFit a lot because it was, you know, I was in a competition uh, setting. I really enjoyed it. I was um, like, I was able to not, you know, think about things. It was a quick in and out workout at that point in time. That's where I was at. Um, but I also was doing that for a while and so I need to switch things up. And so I think like for me, you know, having like I, for my training plan, when I started in January, it was four days a week of an upper lower split where it's upper body two days, lower body two days. Um, and then I went on to a five day split, but that was for me because I wanted to do more. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it really comes down to what works for you best. So for example, if you are someone who you know that you only want to work out or you only can work out three days a week, um, doing, you know, a full body routine three days a week is a good place to be. If you know you can work out four days a week, 
doing an upper body, upper lower split or something like that is a good, it's a good place to be. Um, but then just within that, it's having a program that is, and it's hard for you to kind of like you, that's why for me, it was just like, okay, I have someone writing my program, so I don't have to think about that. Even though I, like I write these programs for other people. Um, but just being able to manipulate that and like knowing, like having a strategic plan laid out where you are manipulating your sets, your reps, your volume, all of that, so that you are going in and doing a little bit more each time. Um, so I think that's important. And then it's also, there's also so many different components of it with, you know, building muscle. It's like you have to progressively, progressively overload, but you have to also understand that whole mind muscle connection piece of it. And, you know, it's just, that's have deload weeks it's deload like deload weeks yeah things so many like different that. you know yeah. concepts behind proper yeah. training yeah. technique yeah but i like it. it's fun like you learn so much about your body you figure out what works what works well for some person for one person may not be the best thing for somebody mm-hmm. else you know yeah but i think progressive <laughs> overload as a concept pretty much holds true for everybody trying to build muscle mm-hmm. and not just that but like your nutrition your calories your mindset like everything like progressive overloading your life mm-hmm is is key to yeah. being better than you were yesterday so sure. i like it so totally agree. what <laughs> is your what is your progressive overload for life plan <laughs> i guess is a good way uh you're working on something right now we've been talking shop mm-hmm. this whole week um since you got here anyways yeah what do you have coming up what are you excited about what are you what are you going to offer people <laughs> so yeah i've been um kind of revamping my online courses and what I'm offering through that. So Keto Froman is um, an online three-month course. Um, and so we just came to the end of it now, and I will be relaunching it in January for another um, group of women to come in. And it is a very um, close-knit group, and that's what I like about it. So there'll be you know limited spots available. Um, it'll be one-on-one interaction with me through the group for this three-month period. Um, and you'll just learn a lot and hopefully, um, you know, set goals and and reach those goals. So that's, um, what I'm excited for in January. Um, and then I'm also launching a new, um, sort of not, it's a beginner program for like an introduction to keto, but it's also for maybe someone who's gone through keto and, um, they went through it before and maybe they kind of went off of it for a while and they're just ready to get back into it and kind of get like a kick in the butt um to get back on plan so i have a my keto kickstart uh program that's it's live now but it's um yeah so it's live now um and that is kind of a take on a 20 it's a 21 day challenge so i have my book the 21 day challenge and so this is basically more resources and more um kind of giving you a little bit more than the book gives you um, and taking you day by day through, you know, what what it looks like to get into ketosis and kind of live the lifestyle. Um, and it, my goal with the program is to basically cut through all the noise that's out there and take you, you know, through what I've seen to work and kind of back to basics, but at the same time introducing concepts that, um, that you need to understand. Um, so, yeah. That's I like it. That's all on your Killing Keto website. KillingKeto.com, yep. No that's G. what you are on all, yeah, no G. That's very <laughs> that's very important. That's your social profiles as well, yeah. right? Killing mm-hmm. Keto, no G. No G. No G. Yeah. Well, Rachel, 
let's cut this podcast and talk more business because I like business. Yeah. So until next time, you have a good one.